And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 318. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris, where summer has hit Chicago at last, and it is hot, hot, hot. Yes, hot enough that I'm considering putting on the air conditioning. And you know how I am about air conditioning. Ugh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hot and gross. But it is Memorial Day weekend, so I hope everybody had a, a nice long weekend here in the U.S. A good time to go catch up on your movie watching. Um, there was a survey that we posted on the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group and asking if you have seen Infinity War. And uh, we had a majority, vast majority of people who have already seen it. So we are going to be discussing it, not next week, but the week after. So it'll be, um, yeah. Uh, second week of June. So two shows from now, we will be talking about Avengers Infinity War. If you haven't seen it yet, rush out and go see it because there will be spoilers aplenty. Okay, so uh, we do have an issue of Thor to cover on our March 2 issue 400. So let's move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard where the booming And this week we are looking at The Mighty Thor number 398. Cover date is December of 1988. Cover price is 75 cents. Cover art is by Ron Friends, inked by Al Milgram. Shows Thor and the Earth Force. Well, at least two-thirds of the Earth Force. We've got the Skyhawk and Earthmaster. And we have the Black Knight, of course, from the Avengers and Hogan the Grim, and they are bursting through this sort of square door sort of thing, and they're coming upon a bunch of these uh, alien Jaffa things that Seth is using as soldiers, and some of them have, um, you know, like hyper uh, sci-fi technological weapons. In this issue, you will learn the startling source of Seth's mysterious superpower, the stunning secret of... The Prisoners of the Black Pyramid. And we open up to the splash page where, of course, we have the credits. The story was written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Ron Friends, inked by Don Heck, once again, lettered by J.E. Workman, colored by Greg Wright, edited by Ralph Macchio. It's titled The Story, The Prisoners of the Black Pyramid. Pyramid. Seth, the serpent god of death, has invaded Asgard. The first step in his master plan... To bring an end to all life. Meanwhile, in Seth's own dimension of death, the mighty Thor and his valiant comrades have managed to recover their weapons after having escaped from the dungeons of the Black Pyramid. Even though he has been shorn of his godly powers, the son of Odin battles with a savagery unmatched in the known universe. And they are fighting these alien Jaffa go old things. 
And it seems like he hasn't lost his power at all. For somebody who's lost his power, he's doing really well against this entire army. But he, uh, he's fighting them and driving them back with, with Mjolnir. And he's saying, uh, Back, thou scourge of death. Thor strikes for the honor of Asgard and the preservation of life itself. And we see hiding uh, surreptitiously amongst everybody here is the evil Loki. And he's lurking around here invisibly. And Loki is thinking to himself, My foolish half-brother risks his own life for the safety of countless others. I am here because I learned that Seth possesses an invincible new source of power. And I wish to claim it for my very own. And we see uh, Hogan and he's smashing everybody with his mace. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's still doing as well as always. But you know what? He didn't have his godly power stolen by Balder either. And he's thinking to himself, nothing have I to lose. Seth has already marked my cheek with his sign of death. My fate is sealed. It is my destiny to die when next Seth and I do meet. And Earthlord and the Skyhawk are doing their own damage. And it uh, looks like um, Skyhawk is, it looks almost like he's levitating these people and carrying them. I'm not really sure what's supposed to be going on here with him, but Earthlord is basically doing the Hulk smash thing and, and just smashing them all. And, and uh, it says here, a terrible toll is also being taken by the incredible strength of the gigantic Earthlord and the aerial agility of the savage Skyhawk. And Earthlord is thinking to himself, I owe my life and my power to Seth, but I will lose it unless he is defeated. And we have the Black Knight here, and he's fighting too. And he's thinking to himself, Can't keep fighting at this pace. An ancient blood curse has fused me to my armor and is paralyzing my body. I wouldn't even be able to stand if it weren't for this exoskeleton. I came to help Thor, but I may prove to be more of a hindrance. And we have Grog, the God Crusher. And remember uh, from, from last issue... And it says he springs forward, and he seems to have targeted Hogan here. And uh, he, remember, he got wrapped in chains, so he's kind of been captured, sort of, but not really. And um, he's thinking to himself, In the heat of conflict, my captors have forgotten me. Now is my chance. I can escape to the inner recesses of the Black Pyramid and sound the alarm. Within mere moments, reinforcements will arrive to crush this petty rebellion. And he starts to creep off, and Thor notices him leaving, and um, Hogan says, Behold, my lord, Grog escapes. No, says Thor, we cannot allow him to warn his comrades. Mjolnir will put an end to his hasty retreat. And he throws the hammer at uh, Grog, and Grog is knocked down with a batam. And he's laying in a pile of rubble on the floor. Thor is thinking, Odd's blood. It pains me to see my faithful hammer just lie there. So, uh, it, yeah, see, there, there's something weird going on as far as the explanation of, of you know, why Grog was able to lift Mjolnir, blah, blah, blah. And it's because it appears that Tom DeFalco is assuming that if Thor's power is removed, the hammer's power goes too, which, again, I, I don't buy that. I think it's a sloppy writing on DeFalco's part. It says here uh, that it is hammer... This was stripped of its royal enchantments when I lost my Asgardian power. See, yeah, it, it's, it's not a good explanation. <laughs> it's, it wouldn't work that way. We'll put it that way. Because, remember, Thor's been stripped of his powers before. Anyway, and Grog is uh, laying in the ground, and he's like, Get back, please! I meant no harm! Don't kill me! 
Thor goes and reaches for the hammer, and, and Grog is like, Spare my life, I beg thee, let me live! Look at him whimper, says Earthlord. I almost can't believe he's the same sadistic bully who tortured us. Tis easy to strut and threaten, says Thor, when your victims are bound and helpless. Silence him, my prince. Put an end to his unmanly whining. Have mercy! I was only following orders. Release me and I shall do anything. Well, he's squealing as much as one of uh, Trump's uh, cabinet here. <laughs> Thou wouldst even betray thy master, Seth, says Thor. I, I will show you the secret of his power. I will take you to the very center of the Black Pyramid itself. So be it, says Thor. And he's thinking to himself, at last, I will finally learn why Seth believes that he will succeed in his mad plan to exterminate all life. But have I gained this knowledge in time to save Asgard? And as though that were a segue, we are segued to Asgard, and we see Asgard gloriously floating here in Kirby's space. Ron Friends is uh, done definitely a very interesting pastiche here of, of the way Jack Kirby would have drawn the, the same scene. Um, and it looks like uh, Asgard floating here on its island, and it's all in flames, and there's exploding supernovas and a lot of very uh, large rocks just kind of floating around here. We don't see any remnant of the Rainbow Bridge, but uh, we see uh, lots of uh, like exploding suns and that kind of thing, lots of Kirby crackle. Well, it is actually a, a pretty cool panel here of, of, the, um, of the city kind of floating there. And it says, at this precise moment, an unrecordable distance away, flames ravage the legendary home of the Norse gods. As the savage legions of Seth draw closer, ever closer, to the inner city of Asgard. Faith herself seems to have turned against the valiant Asgardians as their weapons suddenly implode and their steel unexpectedly shatters. Yeah, see, this is what happened last issue. What wizardry is this, says the soldier? Our own swords and shields betray us. Baldur, my king, we must retreat. We must fall back to the gates of the inner city before we are completely cut off from the rest of the army. And that's Heimdall speaking here. And Baldur's there, and he's saying, Aye, loyal Heimdall, but first I must provide our foes with a suitable distraction. And he's smashing the ground with a squack, which, uh, yeah, using Thor's power, breaks it open. Lots of, uh, of, of uh, these Gawwold are kind of falling down the hole. It looks like Sif is here, and Sif says... Thou hast brought us precious seconds, sire, but why dost thou clutch thy side? It is nothing, Lady Sif. Heed him not, sister, says Heimdall. He hath reopened his wound. And we cut to a nearby hilltop overlooking the battle, says the caption, and it is none other than Seth, the serpent god of death. And uh, Seth is uh, saying, Those pathetic fools, they must all realize that they are destined to fail and die. Why do they continue to defy me? Perhaps the time has come to finally show them the utter hopelessness of their position. General, unleash the harpies of doom. Doom. One of the, the soldiers is like, yes, master. And uh, we see, um, looks like uh, Sif and Heimdall, Balder and Fandral, and they're, they're fighting amongst the... Uh, the ruins and the just kind of a bunch of rocks, basically, as, as it looks like when they're surrounded by. And all of a sudden, there's this big, huge uh, horde of flying beasts coming their way. The skies! Look to the skies! And Baldur's thinking to himself, 
Odd's blood. Is there no end to the horrors of Seth? How can we defeat such monsters? Though I presently possess the power of Thor, I lack the military genius and experience of his father Odin, our former ruler. Where is the All-Father now? How can Asgard survive without his wisdom and guidance? And just as he says that, Heimdall is filled with arrows, and he goes, Arrgh, looking very much like a pincushion, and Baldur says out loud, Heimdall! Uh, Heimdall falls, and it looks like he's being uh, attended to by Sif, and Fandral is just rushing forward anyway. And the caption says here, With no thought to his own safety, Baldur the Brave instantly leaps to the side of his stricken comrade. My brother, says Sif, is he... He lives, says Baldur. Then take him to a place of safety, says Fandral, whilst I guard thy back. Wait, I shall join thee, says Sif. And Fandral has got his sword in his mouth, and he's leaping off a precipice onto all these harpy creatures. And um, Fandral's like, Nay, my lady Sif, I say thee nay. And he's going, Pock, whap. And he's just attacking them with his hands. <laughs> and he's in the meantime, he's got a sword in his mouth, which seems going to be not real safe and probably going to end up in himself getting uh, his mouth cut. But anyway, and he's talking at the same time, which is even worse. Though thou art truly a warrior goddess, my duty is clear. Protect thy charges and hide them to the city gates. And they are uh, kind of swarming on Fandral, and he's kind of fighting them in midair still. Now he has a sword in hand, though, and he uh, says, The dazzling speed and flashing steel of Fandral the dashing shall cover thy retreat. And he lands on a sort of Dr. Susian spire that's kind of sticking up from the, uh, the ground, and he's just taking on this whole group of harpies one-handed. He says, Bah! Pitting my slashing sword against these dullards is like using Thor's hammer to swat flies. However, what these monsters lack in quality is more than balanced with quantity, for they are as numberless as the teeming fish in the ocean. And they are indeed swarming uh, Fandral and not doing, um, not doing all that much, apparently, but all of a sudden the large rock comes flying from uh, below and hits one of these guys with a crack. And it's, uh, <laughs> um, takes Fandral a little bit by surprise, and he goes, uh, By the shining spires of Asgard, an unknown alley have I, but who? And it turns out to be his comrade Volstagg, and Volstagg is uh, there with his sword in hand, and he's like, Who else, my friend? Volstagg, art thou mad? says Fandral. Yon demon horde is endless. They shall overwhelm us by sheer weight of numbers. Run! Escape whilst thou can. Dost thou think that the valorous Verstag would abandon his fellow stalwart? Nay, not while the next tavern tab be thine. Whate'er thy reasons, I am proud to call thee friend, says Fandral. Together we shall stand. Shoulder to shoulder shall we fight. The poet shall sing of this day, when two challenged many, and the Asgardian gods proved that they could die as courageously as they fought. And they are being swarmed by the giant flock of these harpy things. And we shift scenes again. And we are back in Seth's dimension of death in the dark corridors of the Black Pyramid, which it says are echoing with the howls of the wounded. As the mighty Thor and his comrades burst into the central command chamber. And, you know, for, for a being without powers, he's doing pretty well here. And uh, Thor's like... Fight on, fight on. The secret of Seth's power is nigh, says Thor. We must find it, 
for the sake of all who live. And they are actually in the main room of Seth's headquarters and fighting guards and so forth. And remember the glowing globe with the little dwarf guy in it? Yeah, well, that's kind of right in center stage because that's where they are. And something tells me that that is very important to the story. Anyway, so uh, we see you know, they're, they're continuing to battle onward, and we have Skyhawk and Hogan and the Black Knight. And the Black Knight is feeling sorry for himself. He's thinking, oh, my body's growing stiffer, getting harder to move, but I can't fail Thor and the others. I can't. And Thor, being very confident, announces, the battle's ours. We have put them to rout. Aye, my prince. They fall back, retreating from the chamber, says Hogan. And uh, not all of them, because we still have uh, uh, Grog here, and he's trying to escape. And uh, Earthlord sees him, and he says, Uh-oh, it looks like Grog is trying to go with them. It's too late to stop me, fool, says Grog. And he slips through a, a secret panel, very Kirby-esque secret panel behind uh, the uh, wall. And uh, the Earth Lord's fist is coming out like to hit the wall. And Grog is saying, Once I have freed myself from these hated bonds, I shall return with a strike force of such savagery as none have ever faced before. And he slips off behind the wall and is gone. And Earth Lord says, I'm sorry, I couldn't reach him in time. Thou did thy best, Earth Lord. None could... What is it, my prince? Why dost thou stare at yon glistening globe? Methinks it doth possess the answers we seek. So, yeah, so Thor has found the glowing globe with the dwarf inside and, uh, and all the Kirby crackle. Uh, Skyhawk is up there, and um, in that case, I'd better do a quick recon. And, hey, there's somebody inside it. Release me, you fool, says the, um, the, the dwarf inside the globe. Every moment is precious. And the Earth Lord grabs the globe, and he's like, Don't get your gums in an uproar, pal. We'll free you. Ugh, be careful, you clumsy elf. <laughs> the Black Knight is like real grateful, isn't he? And uh, they, they put the globe on the ground, and Thor takes his hammer, and he smashes open the uh, globe with a crack. And these, uh, Thor is saying, Stand ye back. We know not the nature of the forces Mjolnir is now to unleash. And he takes Mjolnir and he cracks open the globe with a crack. And he sees what's inside and he's like, Odd's blood, do mine eyes deceive me? Can the source of Seth's dreams, the secret of his power, truly be thou? And he reveals this uh, dwarf dude that we remember. Though he's dressed rather differently. He's this more, um, he's kind of a more noble Sort of, yeah. Remember, before he just kind of had a hood and and was in rags and was kind of generic. Now he actually looks like he could be a god himself, which is indeed what he is. He's still like a little midget of a guy, but anyway, uh, <laughs> he says, "Why do you sound so surprised? A god should be measured by his deeds, not his height. I am Bess, the god of luck and the lord of probability." Forgive me," says Thor. "I meant no offense. Why did Seth imprison you?" Isn't it obvious? I am the master of good fortune. I guaranteed his success by bending every probability in his favor. Once he managed to capture me, he forced me to manipulate the odds so that he could defeat the other Egyptian gods and absorb their power. 
Then he began to open interdimensional warps at random so that he could launch attacks against other planes of reality. And we see, um, interestingly enough, we see it looks like the Griffin. It's like an old Marvel villain from the 70s. And um, yeah, but so Seth apparently attacked the Griffin. And we see him attacking the other, um, other Egyptian gods. And uh, we see them finally he's assembling his army. Seth plans to ravage the entire multiverse. He intends to leave it barren and lifeless, a monument to death. And they're in a, uh, a technological room with all these like TV screens, and they're actually shaped like cathode tubes, so you know they're actually TV screens. <laughs> it's very, very weird. It definitely doesn't look like something you would see in an Egyptian god's lair. It looks like something you'd see perhaps in a Hydra lair or in Dario Agar's lair or something. Anyway, and uh, we see the invisible Loki kind of skulking around and he's thinking to himself, Seth's forces are already overrunning Asgard. The Golden Realm cannot endure much longer. No wonder Seth was convinced that he would succeed in his mad plan to exterminate all life. Nothing can go wrong for a god who can control his own luck. Every random possibility works to his advantage. The conversation continues. We must find a way to reach Asgard, says Thor. Wait, I suddenly sense that fate has other plans for you. Your destiny lies elsewhere, says Bess. Don't trust him, Thor, says Skyhawk. He may still be working for Seth. Speak. Tell them me the meaning behind that pronouncement. I cannot, says Bess, for my words were born by intuition, not intellect. And Loki is still in the background here, kind of sneering and, and being invisible. My half-brother is so sickeningly honorable that he often fails to see deceit in those he encounters. I hate Thor among all others. His very presence disgusts me, revolts me. It truly pains me to aid him. But I must, I must. Seth must be defeated at any cost. Asgard may already be lost, but Loki must not die. And says with a gesture, Loki gingerly imparts half of his Asgardian strength to his unsuspecting sibling. And then seeking a place of safety, he takes his leave of the dimension of death for a while. It looks like he, he is touching Thor on his shoulder with kind of a mystic spell kind of thing. And um, Bess looks like he's trying to herd Thor into another room or something. And there's this big blam, blam sort of noise coming uh, from beyond. And Thor says, Methinks Grog hath returned. From the sounds of that racket, he didn't come alone, says Earthlord. Follow me, says Bess. I know a secret passage which will take us to the very top of this pyramid. And we shift scenes once again, and we are now outside of the Dark Pyramid. Indeed, we are out overlooking the Dark Pyramid. Now, remember, Wind Warrior Pamela Shaw uh, had disappeared last issue, and she found the uh, Lost Ones, who, who apparently Seth is really scared of. And it turns out that there are other superhero-dressed people. I'm guessing they are the rest of the Egyptian gods. One of them has got like a, uh, he's got a helmet much like uh, Skyhawk. And in fact, I thought it was Skyhawk at first, but it's not. It's Horus. And um, Horus says, we must free Bess. Are you crazy, Horus? Your people are in no condition to attack that pyramid. They will do whatever is necessary to destroy the serpent god. We are the lost ones. 
Gods deprived of their power by Seth. We cannot allow him to rob the universe of life. No, I guess we can't. And then uh, we shift scenes back to Asgard, which is still on fire. And it's not nearly as uh, dramatically drawn as uh, it was last time. And we have a couple of uh, familiar characters here. We have the Enchantress and Lorelei. And uh, Lorelei, I guess, is trying to convince uh, the Enchantress to leave. She's like, Asgard is destined to fall, sister. We must flee while there is still time. Behold, the outer city is already aflame. The invaders will soon be upon us. Go, if you must, Lorelei. The Enchantress will keep her faithful vigil until she hath received word from... Milady, Milady, And it is that Valdor kid again who must have been more important in another issue. <laughs> and Lorelei is... What is it, Valdor? It's Heimdall. He was struck down in battle. And they go um, rushing there. And the next thing we see, we have Lorelei and the Enchantress at Heimdall's bedside. And the Vizier is there. It looks like the Enchantress is really upset about this. So I guess they're involved at this point. I don't recall. I, I don't know that they're really connected at any point. But anyway, the Enchantress is like, He's so still, so silent. Surely something could be done to ease his suffering. I fear that his wounds are far beyond the healing properties of science and sorcery, says the vizier. I am here, Heimdall. Shed no tears, woman. There's no cause for despair. Asgard will endure. Asgard must endure. And uh, so Heimdall is apparently dead. Um, don't think he's actually dead, but anyway, uh, the Enchantress thinks he is, and she's like, no, no, this is not the way it should be. We are gods, immortals, the rulers of the heavens. Our lives should be filled with endless pleasures and indolent whims. Heartbreak and grief are for lesser beings, not us, not us. We are not supposed to die. And she's glowing brighter and brighter and brighter, and she's glowing so bright, apparently, that you can see her across all of the uh, various multiverses. And we have uh, a full page here of her glowing and screaming, and we have, uh, looks like the Hindu gods and the Aztec gods and the Afri some African gods, and uh, looks like uh, Japanese, Chinese, some sort of... Uh, bad stereotype of an Asian uh, god. And we, of course, have a very Kirby-esque drawing here of the Greek gods, uh, which includes, includes Ares and um, uh, looks like Dionysus and Zeus. And um, says here, Consumed by grief, bursting with rage, the enchantress suddenly unleashes her pain, a terrifying inhuman scream of primal passion which transcends the myriad boundaries of time and space blazing across every dark corner in the thousand galaxies, exposing every deeply rooted fear, freeing every nameless dread, until every pantheon of the gods convulses with the chilled horror of the death song of an Asgardian goddess. Um, I don't know why she, this would be her death song, because she's not dying, but okay. Anyway, um, so she's, she's still glowing, and um, she uh, has decided... Seth is the serpent in our garden. He hath desecrated our paradise, shattered our illusions of immortality, 
and now he must pay, pay with his very life. And she goes taking off into the sky, which is something I don't think she can do. I didn't think that the Enchantress could fly. Anyway, she's gone flying off, and she's not very happy. So it's like a burning, vengeful comet. The Enchantress blazes across the heavens, and you see the... Uh, the generals of, of Seth and Seth himself, and uh, she's taking off towards them. And the Gaulwolder saying, A missile is streaking toward us. Evacuate the area now. And it says, Even as the death troopers race to safety, Seth takes a step forward, raising his arms as if to embrace an approaching lover. And then there's a huge explosion, just a big white, basically a big old whiteout. Lorelai's like, My sister. Have faith, Lorelai. Perhaps the Enchantress yet lives. No, Vizier. She's dead. I know, because my heart feels as if it has been torn from my breast. We see where uh, she hit the ground. It's a bunch of smoke, and it's just uh, kind, of, kind of encompassing everything. And it says, without another word, Lorelai strains her eyes to pierce the dark smoke which now covers the battlefield. Slowly, haltingly, it starts to dissipate, and an icy fear begins to clutch at her throat, as she suddenly sees that her sister's sacrifice was in vain. And we see the Enchantress laying at the feet of Seth, and Seth is going, <laughs> And we shift scenes again. Meanwhile, in the center of the besieged city, we have Balder uh, with his new hair color, which makes it confusing. And he's like, thinking to himself, my people are dying around me. I have failed in my duty to protect Asgard. If only Odin had been here. And one of his uh, guards is saying, Sire, look to the square. An interdimensional warp has suddenly appeared. And it, it is like a, a gateway opening up from another reality, and they're kind of reeling back in horror, and Baldur is thinking to himself, we are surely doomed if Seth has launched another attack. And it turns out not to be Seth's uh, legions, but we have a full-page spread here of different gods, a whole different army of gods emerging through the portal. And uh, we recognize them. Well, I recognize them and it, as the Celtic gods. And uh, anyway, so we have the main guy here, and he's it's, uh, Lear, and he's the Lord of Lightning and the God of the Spear. And he has this flaming spear in one hand, very Zeusian sort of thunderbolt. Got some Kirby crackle. Ron Friends is trying very hard to make him make these look Kirby-ish. And he's, he's doing a pretty good job. But uh, we've got Lear and his friends. Make way. Make way for the fiercest, most ferocious warriors in all creation. Make way for the Celtic gods of Avalon. And Lear, the Lord of Lightning and the God of the Spear. Woe to the enemies of Asgard. The sons of Danu have come in response to the distress cry of an Asgardian goddess. And he approaches Balder. I do not understand why you have come, says Balder. Hereditary enemies have our two peoples ever been. Thor once helped my people, and we felt honor-bound to aid his. Where is the God of Thunder? I fear he may have already fallen in battle, says Balder. He was a good friend and a valiant warrior. We shall drink to his memory after we have crushed his enemies. Then we are allies, says Balder. Join to fight for Asgard, for Thor. And Balder's thinking to himself, even in his absence, the son of Odin continues to aid his people. 
And we shift back to Thor, and he's still in uh, Seth's kingdom, and he's still whapping his way through using his hammer. Uh, and he's um, shouting out, Forward, my friends. We must win our way to the top of this Black Pyramid if we are ever to defeat Seth. And we see the Black Knight, and he's thwacking his way through the, the crowd with a sword. And he's thinking to himself, Thor's fighting like he's possessed. I wish I could be of more help, but I'm on the verge of collapse. My body's growing more stone-like with every second. It's almost as if I were slowly becoming a living extension of my ebony sword. And we shift scenes back to uh, Thor and Bess, and they are um, in a room together. And Earthlord says, Who? We've finally beaten the last of these guards. Aye, but Grog is still behind us with countless reinforcements, says Thor. Hurry, says Bess, this way. Our goal lies beyond this door. Be cautious, Thunderer. I sense the approach of a pivotal point in your destiny. Whatever fate awaits me, I shall face it like a warrior born, says Thor. And he whips his hammer around and smashes through the wall with a bracoom. Because there's, you know, no such thing as just opening a door in Thor's world. Anyway, um, it says, even as he enters the chamber, Thor's eyes suddenly spring wide with horror. No. No, it cannot be. And we have a double page spread here and everybody kind of files into this room and we have an old guy hanging from the ceiling by his arms and it is Odin. And um, Thor says, that ragged, helpless figure hanging from the rafters. It's Odin, the Allfather. And Odin is there and he, he's kind of whispering, my son. Thou hast come at last. I knew that thou wouldst never abandon me. Next issue, the secret behind the imprisonment of Odin, the vengeance of Lorelei, a battle to the death between Balder and Seth, and much, much more. When Asgard dies, and that was Thor number 398, we will be talking about that right after this message. So which is the hottest... Marvel character. Iron Man. Ant-Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we are back, and of course we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. Well, let's start out with the art, because I think I have more to say about the art than most of the other aspects of this issue. Now, despite the fact that we have inks by Don Heck, the art looks pretty good. Heck is still a problem as far as his inks being very stiff. He has a thin line that doesn't work very well for this uh, particular penciler, and I've complained about his inks ad infinitum in, in previous episodes. But by and large, the art's pretty good. Definitely is Ron Friends in Kirby mode for most of the issue. We do have a few characters that are very much in the Busema mold, but by and large, he's trying to do his 
kind of mix of Silver Age Marvel penciling mixed with Bronze Age Marvel penciling. And, it, and for the most part, it looks pretty good. Um, I have to say that, that it could have been better um, with an inker such as Joe Sinnott or, or somebody else who, who has a kind of a thicker line and is, has a little bit more depth because I think that's one of the, the complaints I have with, with Hex inks is that there's just not a lot of depth here. And I, that has issues, you know, but, but by and large, the issue looks pretty good, so I can't complain all that much. The one panel here that, that actually does have some really heavy inks is the one where the Enchantress launches herself at Seth and we get the, the clearing smoke and all that. Yeah, uh, Seth's not actually in the issue very much. I mean, he's just in a few uh, panels this time. Uh, Plot-wise, it's Fighty McFightenstein. It is really just kind of fight, 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 battle, 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 uh, because that's really kind of what this is as advertised. Remember, we are only a couple of issues away from 400, and you have to kind of drag it out because issue 400 is going to be a big deal. So that's kind of what's going on here. But we have the return of Odin, and that is a big deal in itself. So pretty cool stuff. Now, uh, like I said, story-wise, it's nothing to write home about. We've seen all this before. It's, uh, you know, there's some, some good moments in here. I think we have a good use of some of the characters that Simonson introduced who hadn't really gotten a lot of play up to this point. I think that there's a lot of people who didn't know what to do with a character like Lorelei. It's, it's not an easy character to write. And even Simonson kind of struggled with her once her story arc was over where she was introduced because really she was just kind of the Enchantress Junior or something. It was really kind of a, uh, an issue where the, the characters are really too similar to each other. And she was kind of thrown in there as a wild card character initially, uh, which Simonson did very well. But they're kind of struggling with what to do with her now. Um, again, we have this character of Valdor who's kind of appeared out of nowhere. I don't remember where he was introduced. He looks like a mini Thor. But uh, yeah, I guess he's Baldur's boy. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, yeah. That is uh, about it for this issue. Uh, once again, we kind of wrap this up for the most part next time. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, running up to issue number 400 in a couple of weeks' time. But because we're doing our review of Infinity War in a couple of weeks, uh, we may not get to that right away. But anyway, so anyhow, uh, that's it for this week. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show and let us know what you thought of Infinity War, let's get your words in for, for you know, our review. You can email the show. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard over there, and you will find us. With that, I am back through the dimensional portal, back to the Celtic Avalon place and. Yeah, because that looks more interesting than what's going on here. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. 
If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>